Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Brian Christofferson. Michael Brunts is sitting across from me. No Mike Schaefer. The chair is empty. He's, he's, he's quarantined. Yeah? A little got, under the weather? He, he's a little under the weather. Didn't want to come over and infect us. I appreciate I, that. I don't think it's coronavirus related. Yeah. Um, I don't know for sure. Let's but, keep our distance from him for like three weeks to make sure. Well, there's 14 days, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. So... Um, you might hear him on a podcast later this week um, once he's uh, back feeling better again. He just texted us. Yeah, he's awake? He said, I'm awake again. Good. <laughs> so so all, that's good. All is well. <laughs> uh, so, Brian, we've got a lot to talk about um, in this podcast. J.D. Spielman. Yeah. Should we start there? Is that is that a yeah, good place to start? that seems to be the topic uh, du jour. You want to set, us up, set it up for us? Yeah, I do. Um, JD Spielman, uh, has gone back home to Minnesota for the spring. It appears he's not likely to participate in spring ball, according to a statement put out by Scott Frost and Frost was optimistic within the statement that, uh, JD would be back with the guys, uh, during summer conditioning and participate in his senior season. What do you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm sort of like, Whenever a guy leaves campus, I always get this feeling we might never see him again. Yeah. um, I mean, obviously, it's a blow. This is a guy who's, what, 250 yards or something like that from setting the school record. He's like 12 catches or something like that from catching Stanley in that department, too. He's a tough guy. He's always been a gamer. Um, He's he's always been distant. So he's hard to know um, from like the media and fan perspective for a guy who is as good as he is. He's sort of unusual for a Nebraska football player in that he's probably only done what, like one interview in the last two years, one or two interviews. He did the, the BTN thing when they were in town last okay. summer. That I think that was the last one that he did. And before that, I mean, I don't After recall. After the Wisconsin game in 2018 was the one post game. Okay. Um, he's very, he's a very sharp minded guy. Like when he was a redshirt freshman, I remember he would do interviews with us before that season and Mm -hmm. then decided to steer clear of it. But he's, uh, he's also one of those guys. And I, I don't know this for sure, but from a distance, he's great at football. He he's very good at football, but I can never tell if he's a guy who loves football or not, or it's just something he's good at. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I do. It's, uh, yeah, it's hard to know. And, and, you know, I, we interviewed him a free, a few times, uh, when he was a recruit, went up and saw him play in high school, uh, a really sharp. And I, I think a pretty, um, what the right word is not reflective, but I, I think he, he's a bright kid. And I think he thinks about things a little bit a little bit differently he's not I, I don't I think he has interests outside of football too I, I think it's fair to say yeah that's what I was kind of getting at yeah it's that he's got a lot more on his mind than just like you know the Purdue game on September 5th and, and he comes from a football family you know his, his brother was at Ohio State his dad obviously uh, is in charge of your Minnesota Vikings with a big decision to make about whether or not they're going to extend Kirk Cousins is what I'm reading is that true yeah, I think so. I tr- I'm trying to steer clear of Viking okay. stuff right now, but okay. that sounds like it would be on the plate. So, you know, the, obviously, the the you know, football is the family business, and, and he's you know been pretty good at it. Um, I agree. I mean, anytime you hear a guy 
say that he's leaving campus for a while, um, you know, a temporary leave, sometimes that becomes a little bit more permanent. We'll see. Um, you know, Scott Frost said in December, you know, look forward to to coaching JD, uh, you know, coming into the season. But this will be, what, the third spring that he hasn't participated in? Is that yeah. fair? Yeah, it's been kind of a roller coaster since the season ended because I think after November there were people who would you would hear the murmurs like, okay, is JD going to be around? And then Frost had that early signing day uh, comment. Mm-hmm. which some people took as, okay, that's good. Unprompted too, by the way. Yeah. Like it wasn't a specific JD question. It seemed a message to the fans and maybe to JD himself. Right. Um, like, hey, buddy, we could use you. Um, and so that got people excited. Then there was some weird stuff on social media that made people think, like, I don't know. And then again, we see a video of him, like, working out in January. So that got everybody fired up again. And right. And then he kind of disappeared the last couple of weeks. Uh, it appears so it's been up and down and up and down yeah and I mean we haven't heard from Scott Frost really I mean since the what 25 minutes since the Iowa game basically I mean he's done some stuff on sports nightly but just uh yeah only on the uh uh sports network so it's kind of been in the absence absence of information and you know, that kind of discussion, I guess, you know, people were just kind of wondering, you know, what, what's going on here. Well, and I don't want to minimize the, the reasons in the statement, which mm-hmm. I don't think I said off the beginning was, it was a personal health mm-hmm. situation for JD Spielman. So on these deals, we, uh, we can only talk about the football part of it sort of, and how it affects the roster. And obviously there's something more important than that going on in some of these cases where someone's just trying to get right, you know, or they're trying to find peace or whatever is bothering them. So you root for a guy to find that, whether that means him coming back or not coming back. Um, so you wish him all the best. And he's a guy who, when he suited it up for Nebraska, he would take hits and he'd get back up and he'd take more hits. Like the Illinois game last year, he got just crushed right over and over again. He's, he is one of those players who I feel like, I don't know if you remember this comment, Frost made it in passing, but he was talking about how when they first got here during practices, they didn't really know what they had with JD. Like Mm -hmm. it wasn't like he wasn't jumping off the page during those practices. And then the game started that 2018 year and it's like, okay, he, he's going to just keep making plays when the lights are on. So he is one of those true definition gamer guys, like, you know, which is probably a good and and bad thing in a way. You're complimenting a guy because he can step up on the scoreboards on, but, you know, he's never been a guy who's probably going to be a team captain. Yeah, it's, you know, like you said, I mean, the the one thing we can discuss is kind of the, the football side of this and, you know, Nebraska starts spring practice in, in less than a week, um, and that, that wide receiver room is all of a sudden uh, very wide open and very bare. Um, you know, even with, even with J.D. in there, Nebraska was going to be thin in numbers, um, you know, especially after Darian Chase decided uh, to transfer uh, earlier in the spring. Um, you, you don't have Omar Manning on campus. Xavier Betts isn't on campus yet. Marcus Fleming's not on campus yet. Uh, Will Nixon's not on campus yet. I mean, th- those are guys that, are going to be 
a big part of, of what Nebraska wants to do, especially in the case of Manning and Betts, I think, as, as long as they can kind of take care of their business in the classroom. But what are, you, what are you looking for now from that group this spring where you have four scholarship guys on the roster, uh, one of whom, Elante Brown, just um, enrolled in, in January mm-hmm. and hasn't played the position a ton. I mean, you got Cade Warner, too. I mean, what, yeah. what, what do you make of that? One of the biggest cliches in coaching we always hear is, and people probably roll their eyes, is next man up. Mm-hmm. And I understand because they always hear it. But I actually do admire coaches, be, a lot of them, because they, they really do live in that world where I can only, whatever's in front of me, I just got to make it better. Like, it, okay, I'm, I got to walk on in front of me. I got to get something out of this guy. You don't have time to pout or, you know, woe is me type stuff. What Matt Lubick has to do right now is look at it like, okay, I've got a young crop of guys. It's a small number of guys in front of me, but maybe I can give them more attention, pay more attention to detail with them. And I need to leave spring thinking Alante Brown, Demarion Houston, Jamie Nance, that they can play a little bit. And then I got to reset and I got to get these other guys in three months to be able to play a little bit too. Um, it's a very tough job. I think you could say, well, Matt Lubick gets the advantage of people are going to maybe lower the bar because they're going to be like, well, look at the situation he was handed. I think that might happen in the spring and summer when people talk about it. But when we get to the fall, the bar isn't going to be lowered. People are going to want to see the wide receiver group with all these big time recruits that they got look different than it did a season ago. And uh, that's a, that's a tough call. I think uh, Cade Warner is going to help. He we always say there's four scholarship guys. You almost got to include Warner in that bunch, like he's a fifth guy because he knows so much. Chris Hickman is a versatile weapon, like the wild card sort of who you can put out there and give you another option. What do they do with Luke McCaffrey? I think you got to at least give him some reps out there because um, I I just think he's got too much talent to keep off the field. Um, and then maybe they get a walk-on or two to go. There's guys like Bennett Folkers and Wyatt. I don't know how to say his last name. I just type it. Lewer. Lewer. Those are two guys that have been mentioned before. But they might need a walk-on or two to, to rise up. Yeah, it's uh, – you mentioned Warner. Uh, I think he definitely gets overlooked. A guy that played – I think he played hurt last year. Uh, he was he missed some time with injuries. Um, you know, I, I think, you know – the, the thing you have to be careful with, you know, I, I think depending on what happens with JD, you were going to see Wandale a lot at wide receiver anyways. I think that's where they want him to be. He's more natural there. Uh, 40 catches last year, kind of split in time between running back and, and wide receiver. I think you have to be careful with this spring overusing him. Yeah. Um, I, I think you have to be careful with that. I think you have to be careful with that in, in the fall camp too. I mean, it, it's you, you can't have one of those fall camps where you have you know, guys missing time with soft tissue things from overuse and, and things mm-hmm. like that. But to, to go back to your point about kind of what you do with um, expectations for that group, I agree. I mean, it's – I think people can be patient in the spring. I, I think you, you probably will end up having a couple nice walk-on stories out of that group, kind of the, the Brody belt of the wide receivers, I guess, uh, kind of like how he was last year. Yeah. Um, but when, when it – comes time to, to face Purdue in September, you know, those guys have to be able to get open. We saw last year what happens when guys can't get open with any kind of consistency. I mean, you've got a, 
a, a returning starting quarterback that that needs to be on the same page as his wide receivers. And that's another thing too is, you know, if you're not getting Omar Manning or Xavier Betts to campus until you know, maybe later in the summer, uh, depending on what their academic situation is, you know, how, how much time do you have to get on the same page with the quarterbacks to learn the playbook? I mean, it really does kind of put you, I think, a little bit behind uh, the eight ball with, with production. But, um, you know, Jamie Nance, Demarion Houston, those are two guys that are, are going to have to – Nebraska's need going to need to come to a verdict in some way on those guys because I think coaches are okay with a little bit being up in the air for these 15 practices. But you don't want to be going into the start of August not knowing who you can and can't count on. And I think mm-hmm. they're going to get a pretty good idea over these 15 practices with those guys. The soft tissue injury thing's a good thing to bring up because do you remember that one – off season as yeah. a Mike Riley mm-hmm. year and it was like everybody was getting injured and by the end of it you had like a four string walk on out there running routes with like the top string offense yep and some of that was in fall camp I think even too it was like Brandon Riley type guys were getting injured and well that was the that was the year there was one year that uh, I guess that was when Stanley got on the field as much as he did oh, it was because yeah. he was, was like the it was the, his freshman year he was like the one guy that didn't get hurt yeah uh, that fall and he got a, a pretty good bulk of the reps yeah so it's an opportunity for guys who are new or walk-ons or whatever um, but you're right with a guy like Wandale who you kind of know he's ultra talented already you obviously want to get him reps, but I would be very careful with him in the spring, um, not to run him into the ground. And that's the hard part is you want to get all these reps in and you only have so many bodies. And that's why we can gloss over like a J- Javon McQuitty mm-hmm. and say, oh, that's no big deal. The ship had sailed on him. But he was a guy who could go out there and run routes for you and know what he was doing, at least in the spring. And uh, and that's gone. And we should mention McQuitty. He's decided to retire from football. He had two years left. We had talked about him recently as a now or never guy. I sort of thought this was either his spring to show like, okay, Matt Lubick should pay attention to him in the fall or it was going to be a deal where it didn't pan out and he, we see him in the portal or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not shocked that it's over for him. Um, he's a guy who had a great high school career. A tremendous resume there but then remember he was going to play early yeah and he suffered that injury in fall camp and i don't think he ever quite got back from it Mm -hmm. and so that that goes to show you i mean we don't ever know what he would have been that that i'm not going to act like he was going to win the bolitnikoff or anything but um when a guy sometimes suffers one of those injuries when they have momentum it can thwart everything yeah well and and i kind of hit on this yesterday on the site that you know that Obviously, we don't know what JD's situation is. Javon's the the next guy in that group uh, to to not basically finish his eligibility in Nebraska uniform. So you should roll through that. What, was it twenty one signees and fourteen? So since the twenty thirteen class, Nebraska has signed twenty one scholarship wide receivers. Out of that group, three have finished their eligibility as Nebraska players. Those three are DeMorne Pearsonell, Stanley Morgan Jr., and Mike Williams. Mike Williams. Who was here two years. Yeah. Uh, four are still on the roster at Nebraska or, or on leave. Uh, mm-hmm. Spielman, uh, Wandale, Demarion Houston, 
Jamie Nance. Yeah. You're not you're not counting the 2020 guys. Not not counting yeah. 2020 yet. Alante Brown would be the only one that's on campus right. right now. And of that group, 14 or 66% of that group never made it to Lincoln or transferred. And you got you know Kevin Gladney was the first one in 2013. Uh, Jariah Tolbert, Glenn Irons, Monte Harrison, Levon Alston, yeah. Darian Grimm, Javon McQuitty, Keyshawn Johnson Jr., Tyjon Lindsey, Jaron Woodyard, who's in the portal in the portal as a senior, uh, Andre Hunt, Miles Jones, Dominic Watt, who signed but never made it, Darian Chase, who's moved on. So, you know, I. I I bring that up, or brought that up, I guess, not not to, well, I mean, I, I just to kind of show how to be a jerk, really, to, to be like yeah, to be a jerk store. I backed into your car, and I'm sorry <laughs> about it. Yeah, um, but not sorry, really. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I almost didn't leave a note, but I left a note. But I mean that that just shows you, you know, a, how do you develop guys when when guys aren't there? Because um, a lot of those guys never even played. Right. Ever. Right. <laughs> like Dar- Darian Grimm. He went through, what, a spring? And then he transferred? After a good spring, no less. Yeah. Uh, LeVan Alston uh, has a knee injury his first year and doesn't pan out and goes home. Andre Hunt obviously has his issues. Uh, Tyjon seemed like he was bought in, uh, had the, the rhabdo injury from working out so hard, and then he took off for Oregon. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of remarkable i think when you look at kind of how that position group has just struggled to not only find impactful guys but just keep guys on the field and on campus the 2017 class is obliterated um receiver wise Mm -hmm. Lindsay mcquitty was in that Mm -hmm. and Keyshawn. and Keyshawn. um so they don't have one scholarship guy at receiver in the spring from the 16, 17, or 18 classes, which is amazing. That's correct. Um, so the, those would be guys that would be your kind of upperclassmen. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, at a position where there's a lot of numbers, where you usually have like 11 guys or something right. on scholarship. And well, when, when Scott Frost started, I mean, they were really low in numbers yeah. scholarship-wise, and that was one of the things that he brought up in, in that those first couple months was, look, this is an area where we have to – Find more guys, get depth, and you know, I, I that eighteen class. You can see a little bit why maybe some of those guys didn't pan out. It's it's the transition class. You had you had Woodyard late, you had Mike Williams late. Uh, Watt was a bit of a risk with with his grade situation, and you know the, those those misses. Maybe they don't hurt you that first year, but down the road when you need a guy that's mm-hmm. in his second or third year on campus to step up, that's where it hurts you. You know, when I went through the recruiting class breakdown of who, who's been a hit and who's just left the program, some called it depressing because it can be. Mm-hmm. I actually, and I'm not trying to hold water for them over there, but I actually, I didn't go into it with trying to get an opinion of any sort, but I actually left feeling like, okay, I understand the, undertaking that Scott Frost or any coach has when he's completely remodeling and he's going to change it up. And it actually gave me more optimism. Like, okay, their guys are the 19 and 20 guys are what's going to, we're going to see now if they can develop those guys. And that the 18 class, I almost throw out a little bit Mm -hmm. because it was just so 
scattered and thrown together in a hurry. And hopefully you get like five big time guys out of it. Hopefully Adrian becomes like the, the star that he was to be Adrian or Jurgens would be your yeah, two guys, right? which could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that could make that class look okay. But, um, Back to the receivers real quick before we go into our next segment. Wandale has a chance now, and it was already probably set up for him to be this, but with Spielman not here in the spring, it's Wandale's group. You know, like he's the big dog who's produced. He's got an attitude and a confidence about him that others are going to feed off of. And if Matt Lubick is going to be a stabilizer, uh, Wandale's the perfect type of kid to use to try to like, okay, this, these are the two classes where we're actually going to develop receivers and they're going to stay a while. And Wandale is going to set the tone for how it's supposed to look. So if you want to end this on an optimistic note, that would be it for me is like, okay, it's Wandale's time to lead. Yeah. Well, and the one thing we haven't brought up yet too is, you know, the, the impact on special teams because, you know, JD was, was doing the punt returning, um, you know, again, we'll see, you know, kind of what his future holds. But, I mean, that's another open job this spring for somebody to step in there and maybe maybe make an impact, especially with a new analyst running that group. Um, you know, maybe that's a job for Wandale. Maybe it's Cam Taylor-Britt. I mean, somebody mm-hmm. – so, that's an area that Nebraska needs to get significantly better at. And, you know, it, it's an opportunity for somebody else to potentially step in there and, and win that job. I mean, or maybe open the eyes of the coaches uh, just because they hadn't had the opportunity to do so yet. Well, receiver wasn't the only position where there was roster movement. Um, kicker. We're going to talk some kicking, and we're going to talk about Nebraska kicking themselves on the basketball court with an incredible – I didn't see it, and I'm glad I didn't, the free throw shooting. But I'll, we, I'll explain it to all you right, I can't wait to after the this. break. All right, we'll be back. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back to Husker 24-7 podcast. We've already been over the wide receivers. Now we got some some kicker talk. You like kicker talk. I know that. Does it feel like we've had a lot of kicker talk? It, for an off season, like <laughs> yeah, a little too much. There's been last week was a little one of those. I know you felt the same way. I I love the passion in our market, but I, th- I it felt like one of those weeks where we were covering like every like four string kicker that might that wasn't going to be here now, and we had to put big headlines on it, and we were guilty of it. So I'm not. 
excusing us, but it, it was a little like, uh, what are we doing? It's like that Seinfeld. What are we doing with our lives? <laughs> That's how I felt last year, last week. What was it? Friday? Friday yeah. kind of turned into like... It was like... a Friday too. That was that kind of added to it. Like you kind of want to go roaring into the weekend. Yeah. And instead, no disrespect, but you know, you're writing like about Matt Waldock leaving the, leaving the squad for club soccer. Yeah. Which is what happened. He's a uh, what? One of the things that happened yeah. that day. Okay, Pickering. Let's let's run it down quick. Pickering okay. is not going to be here anymore. You want to do it one more time? You want to say it? He's, he's not going to be Pickering. Is not going to be Kickering anymore. Yeah, there you go. That's a shame that that is gone. Um, but you know he had that injury last last year, and he's going to get him go for a medical exemption. Um, same as McQuitty's doing, by the way, on the receiver side. Matt Waldock, who actually I think would have been a player in the competition because he he made four kicks at the end. Now three of them were chip shots, but he did hit it like a forty-one yarder against Iowa. That's the long for the year. Yeah, so I mean he made every one he tried, mm-hmm. and he went out on top to go back to Seinfeld. It's like when Costanza delivers that line, and he's like, "I'm out of here," you know? Yeah, get everybody uh, laughing and get yeah. out. He left on the high note, so that's the way to do it. Um, but he's he's going to focus on school and club soccer. He just kind of helped them out. You got to give him credit. I'm I'm serious. Like he's a kid who was working at Lead Belly and loved soccer and this stuff. He's like, how can I help? And he came over there and did it and uh, had an experience. And good for him. I say. Was that field goal against Iowa? Was that your favorite moment of the Matt Waldock era? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it'd have to be. Uh, the three against Maryland were both all 29 yarders. I think. Is that what it was? I think it was one. It was definitely one distance that was all the same, and I think it was twenty nine. Well, then they also had the the other kid that like randomly showed up on that trip. Uh, Harrison. Yeah, I, I I'm trying to find his name. Uh, the he made a few. <laughs> uh, he was one of six. So yeah, he did. The, so he's got a story to tell. I, I guess the the one thing you can say about the last five days in the kicking competition is that it, it, it kind of thinned things out a little bit. There's a little it's bit more normal. clarity there. It's like norm where it's supposed to be kind yeah. of. Um, I do like that. There's some guys who are going to, there's like three or four guys who are going to have stories for the rest of their lives though. Like Lane McCallum made the kick that, you know, barely got off the ground, but it yeah. went through against Northwestern um, and Waldock. I mean, they got stories. Pickering is a sad situation because he was a scholarship guy and you thought you had it all figured out for three more years after he made his last 10 field goals as a freshman. And then he suffers the injury right in fall camp. Everything goes haywire. And uh, I was not counting him out at all if he had stayed around and, Mm -hmm. you know, could show that he was healthy and, I mean, he had as much of a resume as anybody they have. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, they decided or he decided that it wasn't going to work, and he's going to stay as a student at UNL. Now, who your favorite is, I suppose, is Chase Contreras, right? Would you say he's the favorite, or what do you think? Yeah, I mean, that, that's who I would – Harrison Martin was the kid's oh, name yeah. by that of uh, Lincoln Harrison Lutheran. Martin. Yep. Uh, let's not forget that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think based on what Contreras showed in, in the junior college ranks at Iowa Western – um, I, I, if I was placing odds, I would say that he would have to be, uh, right up there for who's going to be doing the field goal kicking. Now, 
Nebraska brought in Tyler Crawford, uh, yep. a walk-on out of Oklahoma. They, they think he's got a big leg. He's punted and kicked. Um, you talk to the kid from IMG Academy whose name escapes me now. Yeah, I'm going to write a story on him, too. He's kind of a long shot. He's a, more of a punter. Sammy Couch, I believe is how you would say it. Okay. And uh, he uh, he's betting on himself. Uh, they've given him one year on the roster to show what he can do, and he like, he's like, I'll take it. I, I have confidence in my leg, and I think he sees himself as more of a punter, but he'll try anything. Okay. So the, you've got those guys. You've also got Gabe Hines uh, oh, yeah. out of Kearney, Richard Freshman, uh, as your other place kicker. Um, punter's going to be interesting. You've got Grant Detlefson, William Pristrup. I, I bring those guys up because I think Nebraska has to take a real hard look at the kickoffs and, and yeah. who who can get it through the end zone um, because I, I don't know that they had – maybe Matt Waldock could have been that guy. Um but they they didn't have anybody last year, especially with all the injuries, who could do it with any kind of consistency, and it just killed them in in field position. And that's such a a big part of the game, and especially when you're kind of like Nebraska and you, you have such a thin margin of error um, that that you need to to win field position, and that they just could not do it on kickoffs last year. They're one good leg away from this from everyone calming down you mm-hmm. know and maybe chase Contreras is it maybe it's the guy from oklahoma um when it comes to the kicker i feel like it's either going to be Contreras or i have an open mind about tyler crawford as like the place kicker that's sort of how i have it handicapped now um because i think Contreras was like 14 of 18 or something like that at uh, iowa western actually just pulled it up he was uh, 15 of 18 and 44 of 46 on extra okay. points uh long of 47 so. so those are good numbers. Tyler Crawford, I think you wrote a pretty good story about him, and he seemed like a confident kid. Um, he's like, I'm not coming there to mess around, basically. Ne- but- Nebraska basically told him, like, you can do either thing. Like, if you win one of those jobs, great. Like, yeah. it's your – you're going to be in the mix. And, I mean, that that's – I think as a walk-on kid from out of state, I mean, that's all you can really hope for, right? Yeah. You never really know with kickers – like there's a huge difference between guys who could can sort of get it done in like high school, and then at the college level. Like we saw it at one. Of, I can't. I don't want to name names, but we. I've seen guys who thought we thought, oh, maybe he can be in the competition, and then they kick in like an extra point in the red white game, and it's like fifty fifty if they're gonna make it. Yeah. You know, and that, so I mean. Are some of these guys like that, or are some of these guys legit? That's what we got to find out in the in the spring. Well, that, that's a th- and you never know until you get a guy on that stage too, right? Yeah. Like some guys are are made for it, like you said, and some guys you just you look really average. And it's again, this whole thing just points out to me how Nebraska for so long was so fortunate to have mm-hmm. a run of really great kickers, in-state guys, walk-ons, who. I mean, Alex Henry, Brett Maher, Sam Fultz. They weren't just good. They were great. Yeah. I mean, they, they were – Brett Maher was what kicker of the year in Big Ten in the Big Ten. Well, yeah, and he's going to have – even though he got cut, he has a space in, like, the foot Pro Football Hall of Fame for making, like, the longest kicks that have been made. You right. Know? And then Alex – I've never saw anyone who was more automatic than Alex. I mm-hmm. mean, near the end of his career, he was in the special kind of zone where it's just like – 
he's like a shooter who lets go of the three and like starts going the other way, you know, like before it, well, it's in the air. Is that confident? Yeah. He's like yelling Kobe. I remember when he lined up the big uh, 12 championship that they lost in the last second to Texas. Alex made like a 44 yarder with about a minute Mm -hmm. 40 left or something. And it was a cool thing as a writer because there's like a 10-second delay to what, what the TV feedback in Nebraska is going. So he makes the kick, which I knew he would, and I'm sure most people are banking on, but it was still a clutch moment. Yeah. And I look up, and he's just lining up on the TV. And it was kind of one of those fun things where you're like picturing like everybody back in Nebraska just like <laughs> sitting on the edge yeah. of their seat waiting for this moment, and then he nails it, of course. But he was that kind of... Clutch, but you're right. Just spoiled beyond belief. Proud of being a kicker school, too. Like, we can have a segment like this, and I have a feeling the numbers won't drop off because people actually like kicking talk. Yeah. <laughs> to a degree. Well, people want people want a bow on what happened on Friday. Yeah. They, 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 they want that bow. What's going to happen? Why, that's why we did. That's why we covered it like we did, I guess. Who do you think is a favorite at punter? Do you have a favorite? Well, I mean, I, I think Pristrip just being on campus, yep. um, I, I think probably helps him a little bit. He kicked at Michigan State, so he's got that experience. I, Grant Dedlifson, he was a good kicker, a good punter at, uh, at Lincoln Southeast. Uh, big, athletic kid. I think he averaged about 40 yards a kick uh, his senior year. He so. could place kick, too? Or is he more punter? Just more of a punter. Okay. Um, so we'll see. But, I mean, I, I, there's at least options there for – for Nebraska's new uh, analyst to They to weren't terrible, um, just so people know. Isaac Armstrong didn't have the biggest leg in the world, mm -hmm. but their net punt was pretty good. Like, they hardly gave up any return yards in that area because mm -hmm. he would place it well, and he was pretty good at pinning people. So their net punt ranked, like, about 40th nationally. So it wasn't top end, but it was solid. So that's not an area, when we talk about special teams calamities, where – it that was a complete mess so people need to remember that but uh got to find a new leg i think pristop's the favorite too just because okay. of putting the money down on on will i'm gonna put my money on pristop okay and chase Contreras. okay those are your those are your kickers against purdue mark it down yeah that's what i'm gonna say that's that's what i got okay uh speaking of um things that are not assured <laughs> Nebraska oh. basketball and free throws. Oh boy! Uh, did you watch the game? You, you weren't you weren't at the game. No, I wasn't. I uh, I played hooky on that one. Okay, but you didn't you didn't watch it at home. You weren't I glued saw to the that last one. Last eleven seconds of overtime, and had no idea of the stat until like an hour later. So Nebraska went eight for thirty at the free throw line, and a loss to last place Northwestern. Previously, on, last on senior day, yeah. Previously, they now <laughs> they own the tiebreaker with yeah. Nebraska. Um, eight for thirty at the line. It was painful to watch. There were some of the loudest Bronx cheers I think I've heard uh, outside of Yankee Stadium. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just kind of like a. It, you, you went into that day. the The stadium was great for you know a three fifteen game when it's nice outside. On a Sunday, uh, people were dialed in, and it was just like a free. Th it was like somebody just did like a chess pass right at your balls with the ball. Just like that's what that's what it was like watching that. You just felt like you're getting 
hitting the balls over and over again yeah. watching it. Yeah. So Nebraska loses. They still have two regular season games left and then the Big Ten tournament. But it, it was that was a strange game for aside from the free throws because you've got you know two teams that one has won one conference game Northwestern over the other. Nebraska won, hasn't won since January 7th. And there, there was like this very like palpable desperation from both teams. And they combined for 41 turnovers. Yeah. <laughs> Nebraska missed 22 free throws, which was the worst performance uh, dating back 10 years with at least 30 free throw attempts. So I, I, I don't think I'm alone in saying this, that it just kind of feels like this season needs to end. No, no, you uh, you're joined by everyone. Um, what's disappointing is, I actually think Nebraska's a little better than Northwestern. Not a lot. I don't want to get into that debate about it. But I mean, I think there's two wins they could have had that you know would have got them to four in conference yeah. this year. And so that's what's disappointing. I mean, when you go eight for thirty at the line, um, and you still have a shot in overtime, that tells you you should have won the game. Yeah. You know. Hit fifty well, percent and you win the game. Yeah, and they turned the ball over twenty times. Like yeah. it, it was, that game was just there for the taking. And it's, I, I don't know if I buy into you know carryover from one year to the next in terms of momentum or whatever. And there's obviously three games left, at least three, I guess, for Nebraska to potentially play. But you know, like like Fred said after the game, he he wanted that one for the fans because it was like they've stuck with this team. Uh-huh. Uh, when, you know, maybe they probably shouldn't have, um, you know, I, I think that was probably the disappointing part of it was too, is it's like, man, you, you go into that game favored, you played well enough aside from at the line and you, you just, you just couldn't get it done. And it, it, you don't want to say it's a metaphor for the season, but I mean, it it really kind of felt like, yeah, that that was a, a pretty good encapsulation of what this year was like. Because it's killing uh, Fred's uh, win-loss percentage and his coaching <laughs> column. It, it is. It is. And it's I, – I don't know. Like, I think it's probably – we can get into this maybe in future podcasts, but I, I think it's fair to start asking, you know, what does – what does this roster look like next year? Because they overhauled everything last off season you're going to have a lot of different faces in that rotation next year. And I kind of wonder even if guys that, that maybe you had banked on being part of that uh, might also be, you know, out the door because, you know, right after the commitment of Kobe King from uh, Wisconsin, mm-hmm. um, you know, you're full up on scholarships and I expect that there's going to be attrition over the next couple months. Yeah. I don't want to, I will excuse it. I mean, I, I thought this would be a rough year. I don't know what we predicted at the beginning of it. Um, I, there was a point I remember early on when I thought they could win six or seven conference games when they were like two and two. Yeah. Cause I thought they were going to be in games and they were in games. They mm-hmm. were in enough that honestly, they probably should have ended up with at least like four or five wins, yeah. you know? Um, so that's the tough part, but I guess the one encouraging thing is the team I saw play against UC Riverside, they were horrible. Yeah. And at least as the thing went along, you'd see them play against Maryland and some of these games, you're like, they're not ready to win these games, but at least, at least you feel like there is progress being made. 
But then you would always keep in mind, like, well, how many of these guys are even going to be here next year anyway? And right, it felt like this was just a buying time year, right, to put your team together. It's hard to say in in major college athletics like that that it's almost kind of like a lot, like going into it knowing that it's a lost year. Yeah, but you knew that Nebraska was going to be challenged. I, I'm like, I'm with you. I thought, you know, yeah, they could make it to double digit wins. You know, I, I think it's at like 13, mm-hmm. 13 or 14, maybe. Um, and they very well should have actually. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you don't lose three by games right out of the gate and you're, you know, at least a double digits there. Yeah. So, um, but I, I mean, I, I think I, I, again, I'm not my, positivity about the direction of the program isn't diminished because I think you also have to give Fred Hoiberg credit because he's coached his ass off this year like he really has and you see coming out of timeouts you know plays that you know they're, they're getting he's getting guys open shots out of play you know you you, you kind of yes you put the team together but you, you kind of are out of options at some point yeah. too when you're as as uh outmanned as they are in the paint in the Big Ten. I mean, and that's the other thing. You're in the Big Ten in a year where they're going to get 10 teams into the conference, and it's a, a total rock fight every night when you got Rutgers playing better basketball, you got Penn State playing really mm-hmm. well. Teams that you, you know were, were typically down a little bit are, are pretty darn good. And as a staff with your size, you know you're going to go into every game probably almost down 15 on the boards in that column. Mm-hmm. And so you have to give something there, which in some cases I think they surrendered the outside shot. Teams just went off on them on from three. Right. Um, Nebraska didn't have the length. One of the things that was underrated when they had guys like uh, Petaway and Roby type guys, especially Roby. Palmer was, too. He was he he was incredible Roby. length. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah they could score. But on the defensive side of the floor, they were challenging those shots, you know, bringing people's percentage down a, a bit. Yeah. Real quick before we get out of here, uh, mention Kobe King, uh, commitment uh, out of Wisconsin. He played two and a half years there, had a knee injury his freshman year. He commits to Nebraska as a transfer, all two years of eligibility. Uh is going to apply for a waiver to try to get immediate eligibility. Would be a little bit surprised if he doesn't get that, um, just based on kind of uh, you know what happened at, at Wisconsin with some uh, racial epithets being said by a, a staffer. Um, but was averaging ten points, two point eight rebounds, and nineteen starts uh, w- when he tr- decided to transfer. Uh, went for twenty four, I believe it was, in, in a game against Indiana this year. Had twenty one against Illinois. So, uh, kind of another wing player, not not the the big that everybody's been clamoring for, uh, but a guy that's kind of been through the ringer in the Big Ten. Uh, was offered by Fred Hoiberg at Iowa State right before uh, Hoiberg left for the Chicago Bulls. So, uh, another veteran type guy coming into the program next year where it's very possible that they might not have a freshman player on their roster mm-hmm. so um you know again attrition probably gonna happen You're gonna have to add guys but uh you know that they're definitely kind of reshuffling the deck with some new guys for next season we're gonna see delano banton too yes who I'll, i hear is not bad yeah all uh six foot eight of him uh speaking of length on the perimeter who yeah. can uh also run the point a little bit too yeah it'll be different next year i'm not saying they're gonna just 
go to the Sweet 16, but they're they're gonna maybe they'll get 16 wins, 15. Yeah, I mean, we'll slow our roll. Yeah, I'm I'm just not gonna say anything for now. You're not you're not booking those NCAA tournament. uh, No, but I am a huge Fred. I used to love his teams at Iowa State, and I see what he's doing, and I. You know, in Hoosiers, where uh, Dennis Hopper's character is like, I see how you're working with the young Colts. He's like telling Gene Hackman this. Yep. That would be me, like to Fred Hoiberg in a bar. Like, I see how you're molding the, you know, the young fellows and stuff. You, I, Ivan's a Colt. He's a young Colt. <laughs> yeah. He, he is young. He doesn't turn uh, doesn't turn 18 until Jeez. this month. He, you know, he got better. He, uh, the, I know he had a bad free throw night, but uh, he, uh, he had 19 rebounds in I that game. I saw that and. He was getting progressively better the last like five or six games, mm-hmm. so he's something to be excited about. I think he could be a completely different looking player too, you know, a year from now. Makes a few layups. Yeah, he's got to finish better. There's there's stuff to work on, but he. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Come. Yeah, I, All I, right. I, yeah, get us out of here. Oh, you're done, man. You're like enough. Throwing in the towel. Season's over. All right, we talked kicking, we talked receivers, we talked hoops and that's all we got but we will have a lot more on our site at husker247.com come there all the time there's always something going on Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.